0: Shut up and sit down. All
1: right, hey, welcome back to the Limited Upside podcast. This is episode number eight, and you're probably hearing me really clearly, um, and I can enunciate every syllable in what I'm saying now and you're going to hear that because we're coming to you in a little bit different fashion. Uh, Mike, we are now with some actual audio production via my good friend here, Nicky O. We'll we'll call him Nicky O, right?
0: I like it. Do you like uh, being with an O? Yeah, it sounds like he does. Yeah,
1: that works for us. Cool. So basically, we haven't done this in a couple weeks because we've been trying to figure out the best way to bring this to you in a more official, clearer fashion. Mike and I have beautiful voices, specifically Mike, and we want to be able to make sure that you're hearing us well, loud and clear, so that all these awesome NBA facts and thoughts we have are coming at you nice and clearly. Um, And I think we have that. So we have a really good show ready for this. It's been two weeks. Uh, The West has become even tighter. The East has allowed for the cream to rise to the top. And we have some pretty good conversation uh, or pretty good uh, head-to-head comparison we'll get into today. Steve Nash versus uh, Steph Curry, because this was topical. We spent like an hour today talking about this in the office, Mike.
0: Yeah, we did, and it was a big topic on the Twitters on yeah, the uh, Wednesday Twittersphere. night the Twittersphere. after Curry dropped 51 points. Uh, so a lot of very strong opinions on this, which uh, kind of surprised me a little bit. But, we're, uh, we're strong opinion guys. Yeah, I, 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 some people were like, very surprised about you know why – Someone would say that Curry is better than Nash, which I'm a little surprised by. I think that the it's actually a lot closer than one would think. So let's just hop
1: right into this. This is a good first topic. Yeah, Steve Nash versus Steph Curry. One's a two-time MVP. It's arguably the most exclusive list uh, in NBA history. The two-time or back-to-back NBA MVPs. It's back-to-back, not two-time. I apologize. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's it's basically like from Kareem to MJ with Steve Nash in the middle. Um, and and what's interesting and about LeBron, that? I guess. Sure, LeBron. Yeah, cool, LeBron. All yeah. right, so the Mount Rushmore of NBA players and Steve Nash sprinkled in there, who was uh, you know the front man, the quarterback, the front face of one of the best offenses and legitimately game changing offenses uh, in NBA history. So if we're gonna talk influence alone, I'd tell you Nash is the better player. But if we're gonna oh, talk yeah. about skill, like who is I think I think I brought this up to you, Mike. I said you could make a strong argument that. Uh, Stephen Curry is the most skilled player in the NBA and one of the most skilled players in NBA
0: history already right now.
1: And yeah, you, can you make, could. You, you can could make that argument pretty no, easily.
0: Nobody shoots threes off the dribble better. I mean, oh. that is an incredible skill. I saw some stat that he's apparently much better at shooting threes off the dribble than catch and shoot. I saw that too. Korver's better catch and shoot, like, of course. Yeah, Korver's the best catch right. and shoot. But yeah. uh, for some reason, Curry is, needs to dribble before he shoots, it's interesting, which is why the three-point contest is going to be very interesting. Do you think he takes a dribble in between? You should. Like, do you think he has time for that? <laughs> I don't think so. No, but it'd be
1: hilarious. Well, but like, let's
0: say okay, let's say he took know. a dribble between every shot, and he hit like all his shots, but he mm-hmm. didn't. He didn't get to the last rack. Mm-hmm. Like, do you think that that would be enough to like propel him if he hit like most of his shots? Like, is the trade-off worth it? Yeah, Potentially, I think he should dribble before he shoots all these. He threes. should ask for a high screen
1: before each of
0: his <laughs> shots. Yeah, to no, so- bring Andrew Bogut instead a <laughs> drag screen as he comes to the yeah, to, to the just-
1: middle. Back. It's like in the dunk contest when you could like used to bring you know like Larry Hughes brought mm. Iverson out and he threw him the alley oop. Well now you can actually have your center from your team set a screen for you. That's a good so idea. So you can roll off of it and shoot a three. I mean, it's a great idea. Um, but but so, yeah, so
0: he's he's so skilled at that. Uh, there's nobody in the league that does that. Mm-hmm. It's a great passer with either hand. Um, his ball handling is better. You know the only thing he doesn't he struggles with is he commits a lot of turnovers still and he's mm-hmm. you know still a little you know frail. Uh, you, but you, even but not. As much as Nash was, sure, you know, I think you're going to take the you're going to take the side. You were saying that Curry is just as good as Nash, if not better. Mm-hmm. I actually think that it he might be too. Like I think we might actually agree on this. You know, Uh-oh. I was a very surprised by how much support for Nash there was. How this was like? How could we even say this? And. You know, Nash's offenses were number one in the league for nine straight years. A great point. It's good And stat. if Nash could would score more, he'd look more like Curry. I don't know. Like, I mean, is is Nash – Nash had two MVP years, but did he ever have the kind of year that Curry is having? Right now, this year. I mean, and that's what, a what tough year is question. This for Curry? Is this fifth year? He was drafted in 09, so I'm um, just sixth year, sixth I think. Sixth year, here. okay. Fifth or sixth year.
1: Yeah. I mean, that's first off, at this point in Steve Nash's career, he was still in Dallas. Yeah, still a very good player in Dallas. If if you're listening to this, you probably have no vision in your head of Nash playing in Dallas. You don't
0: give our listeners
1: enough. All right, right, fine, fine, fine. If you do, you probably remember a young Steve Nash with a lot of flair and pizzazz, but not the guy who was, you know. You probably remember more of the guy coming out of Santa Clara who had infinite game but really not the quite the focus that he got to actually run a real system
0: mm-hmm.
1: like he has yeah, like he had in Phoenix where he took off. But the thing here is that you mentioned it. Okay, Curry has a lot of turnovers and I'm going to take the side of Curry. Cuz I actually think Curry is the most individually skilled player in the NBA. Yep. Shooting, ball handling, passing, he rebounds pretty well for a guard as well. Um, he's now better at
0: defense with, uh, with the way that their coaching staff has like, actually let him play defense. Sure, sure.
1: I mean, Mark Jackson in some ways handcuffed Curry's progression, and Kerr has kind of taken those shackles off. Mm-hmm. But one of the things you see um, with Curry is that he, uh, he has two skill sets that are oftentimes very separate. A lot of times the best shooting guards in the NBA uh, – aren't the guys who want to be the ones with the ball in their hand primarily too. We talked about Corver. Yeah, not anymore. So not absolutely. anymore, at least. Sure. Absolutely. Curry is and one of the two, three, and we talk about this all the time, two, three best ball handlers in the NBA. He's one of the four or five best passers in the NBA, and he is the in the argument for the number one best shooter. Those I would skills say he are, is the best shooter. I think he's the best shooter, too. I, I, think so too. I mean, to I love what Corver's there. doing, but mm-hmm.
0: I, I think the degree of difficulty on those off-the-dribble sure. shots is, is very tough. Sure. You know, percentage-wise, he's only at like 39% from three, but, mm-hmm. you know, so much of that is because of the degree of difficulty in sure. the shots. Hey. Uh, so, yeah, I, I think I agree. The, the case for Nash involves two factors. Uh, mm-hmm. One is that his offense, number one in the league for nine straight years, it wasn't just with the Suns, it was with Dallas, too. So there's something about the way that he's able to kind of create uh, his shooting, his ability to keep his dribble alive. I think he's much better at that than uh, Curry was, uh, the circling around the basket. And, you know, Curry is yeah. a great shooter. I don't know if he has the vision Nash had or has the kind of sense of timing that mm-hmm. he has. He's, he's great, but he doesn't have Nash's sense of timing. So that's something that Curry's yet to accomplish. I mean, they're not even the best offense in the league this year. Uh, I, I think uh, – Either um, Dallas or Toronto is. They're the most,
1: you know, okay, not in efficiency, but points per game they are. So you could— Yeah, but I'm saying yeah. Nash was number one in efficiency. Oh, yeah, sure, sure, sure. Yeah, absolutely.
0: And and the and the Warriors, you know, believe it or not, play much faster than the Suns ever did. I mean, I think it's just a different era now. Teams play faster. Mm-hmm. You know, the other thing, which actually dovetails nicely into what we're talking about earlier, is that with Nash, you can say Nash made all these guys' careers. He made Raja Bell. He made Tim Thomas. He made— not Joe Ma- Johnson, Quinn Richardson, Amari Stoudemire. Yeah, I mean, he guys were. I mean, even guys like uh, Shannon, Br- is mm-hmm. Shannon Brown. Later, career, Christian Brown and uh, Martin Gortat and Jason Richardson and uh, Channing Fry. Uh, he's got a long list of these guys that he kind of is like, okay, that guy was not much until he came to Phoenix. Sure, and then Nash kind of made him. So Amar- you can't really say that with Curry yet. I mean, Curry is Curry didn't make anyone's career directly. Uh, what? Who's Draymond Green? Oh, no. Curry did not make Draymond Green. Draymond Green, great defender. I mean, it's not his offense that kind of gets into where he is. Well, I could say Channing Fry, great
1: shooter. Jason Richardson, great athlete.
0: Yeah, you but know. I mean, defense is a very different thing than sure. I think. It's not, it's not, Nash is not literally taking guys who can't do anything. Yeah. He's taking guys with a skill so, and amplifying it on the end that he's taking the skill on. Sure. Um, so you can't I, really I, say that about Curry. But I wonder, the counter argument is that the Warriors just don't play that way. I mean, Nash, when he, his offenses were, he dribbled the ball for 18 seconds Mm -hmm. on those offenses. Those those would have been
1: the longest possessions in the Sun season. Okay. Uh, So he dribbled the ball like 90% (laughs) of the time. Like they did,
0: whereas the Warriors, like, whip it around. They have multiple threats. And teams really play that way now more. Sure. They they have multiple guys that can handle the ball. So I don't know. That's accurate.
1: But I I think you touched on a good point, which is that. Well, there's a few things I want to extrapolate from, from what you just said, Mike. Um, you love one, that word. Extrapolate? Yes. Well, I like starting small and getting big. From micro to macro, man. That's yes. where we get. That's where we kind of go here. The micro <laughs> point, Nash made people better around him. That's a mark of a great player. One of the best traits LeBron has is that, that extra percent he adds to each guy around him, right? Mm-hmm. Not just the percent he carries with himself on the court. Nash definitively made four other guys better when he was on the court. I think you can say some of that for Kerry, but he still gets a lot more of his own on mm-hmm. the court than Nash ever did. Um, you know, Nash averaged like under 15 points a game for his career, uh, 14.3 and Curry averages 21 a game.
0: Yeah. I mean, now, Nash, that's a big difference. Yeah. I mean, Nash but, didn't look for a shot. So as
1: much. I agree with you in the sense that making other people better is uh, a great mark of a player's greatness in general, right? Um, you know, Bill Russell made everyone around him better first. You know, these, these guys who focus on getting other people the touches and the shots and, and so forth. But One of the other things you mentioned was the turnovers that Curry has, but part of that is because he is not a natural point guard. For someone who's such a great passer and ball handler, he is a natural scorer. It was his job in high school. It was his job at Davidson in college. It was his job with Golden State up until literally this season.
0: Yeah, he had to learn. He 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 had to learn. learn his. I remember his last year at Davidson, he had like, his Numbers were a little down, right? Because he was playing point guard,
1: and part of that was guys like Jimmy Patsos, who was the coach at Loyola when I was there. Uh, Jimmy put a um triangle in two with two guys following around Steph Curry. Loyola lost by 35, and after the game, when asked for a quote, Jimmy said, Yeah, but how many points did Steph score? <laughs> you know, so and that's true, that's a true
0: story. It's look true. it up. So, I mean, the, the point so he is, he had to learn on the job, yeah, yeah,
1: he had to learn on the job to play a position that is definitively the hardest to play in the NBA and one of the toughest in all of sports, the point guard position, um, especially in this NBA. Now where the pressure every single night, you're guarding one of the better players in the league and you have to put the same amount of effort in the scoring on them. Um, so that was one thing I thought about. The other is the chicken of the egg aspect. Curry does a lot of great stuff in the point guard realm that he took from Nash. You talked about going underneath the basket, the left-handed passes, mm-hmm. the amount of no looks and Nash brought the no look pass as a utility pass Right back into the NBA. It wasn't for flair; it was for utility. It worked better. Yeah, guys I mean, were open longer. Took it back longer. from Magic, I right? Guess. Sure, I agree. And and Curry does a great job uh, of doing that. But when you just when you look at all the percentages, man, they're tight. Nash shot forty two percent from three for a career. Curry's at forty three percent for his career. Nash shot ninety percent from the free throw line. Curry's at eighty nine point nine percent right now. Like <laughs> it's that razor thin. Uh, Curry rebounds a little more. Ah, uh, the assists per game. Now, this is where the d- biggest difference is. Obviously, Nash is one of the greatest passers of all time, and for his career, he's just under nine assists a game. Where Curry's at seven. But those two MVPs are so big. The NBA wasn't bad, or something like that,
0: in, in the mid two thousands. It was actually quite good. But he, those MVPs were Shaq's.
1: I know. But... Well, one was
0: <laughs> one was maybe Shaq's. I thought he deserved it in two thousand and five for sure. Mm. I, Shaq didn't really have a great year by his standards. It's just that there was no, like, really great candidate that year. I mean, the the, the NBA changed for Shaq. The same way that you could foul him a thousand
1: times harder than any other player, he had to do a thousand times more to win an MVP than other guys had to do. Right. Yeah.
0: 2006 was tough, though, because you had Kobe, who had that amazing Mm -hmm. scoring year, and LeBron had his first great year. Did Kobe Uh,
1: lose to Nash in the first round of those playoffs that year? Yeah, and then they had
0: the 3-1 lead that year. Um, Yeah, the MVPs are interesting. But, you know, Curry could win one this year. I he's think certainly, he's certainly a front runner. I don't know if I would give it to him right now.
1: It's Harden and Curry right now.
0: Well, maybe Marcus. I, I, I would think about Anthony Davis, even though his team I, is not uh, I, in the playoffs right now. But I just think that he might be so far ahead of everybody else as a player. Hey,
1: Anthony Davis has my—he
0: get my vote right now. Yeah, and I would know. also <clears throat> caution not to count out LeBron to make a late push with the way the Cavs are playing. Sure. Sure. I think it's more wide open, but he could win this year and he is only I think 26 or 27. I don't remember exactly what he is. Who? Curry. Age uh,
1: age-wise? Yeah. He's got to be if he graduated college in in 2000 and what? 8? Is that right? Is he he was in the 2009 draft. Is he the same age as me? That makes me feel even older. He was a four-year no, he's, guy. He's 26, man. He's 26 years old.
0: He's 26. Yeah, okay. Yeah. So he could win at least one more. So oh, I don't sure. see why
1: not. I think if he gets one MVP or wins even one title without any MVPs, that, forget it. The accolades are already enough at that point. But this is a really interesting debate. I think it's debate. really interesting, too. I, I like the other thing about this debate I like. It's not even cross-generation. Nash technically is still being paid by the Lakers. Yep. In fact, I... I think he makes almost as much as Curry, right?
0: You probably yeah. Know, actually, yeah. I think he does. <laughs> yeah, uh, he signed like because Curry signed that uh, very low value right. extension because they were worried about his health, right? Uh, yeah, no, I think fine? he does. Uh, you know, it, I also think that it, those pointing to Nash as like the n- quarterbacking the number one offense mm-hmm. of uh, his era, I think, are underplaying some of the other players that he's played with, the Dirk, mm-hmm. Sean Marion, Amari. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's like wrong to attribute all of that to Nash, as sure. great as he was. Uh, Mike D'Antoni, yeah. We I just mean,
1: you know, we have to mention the name. Who's the Bill Belichick or whatever it may be to uh, to that Suns team? The great coach, the great system. Mm-hmm. Mike D'Antoni.
0: Yeah, um, I mean and the Warriors have a lot of talent too. Yeah. Obviously, I mean Clay has made a big step. They've got great spacing and Bogut. You know, Nash never played with a guy who could set screens and defend like Bogut did. Sure. So. I just think that it's weird that Nash gets. I know he did nine years in a row, but you have to also think about who he's played with. It's not like he was the only person yeah. that was caused that offense to be sure. good. I like agree. You yeah. put Nash with um, David, you know, David Lee and Draymond Green in his front court. You know, maybe he makes him better, but I don't know if they're the number one offense for nine straight years.
1: I just thought of a really funny thing about this, too, is we actually have a way to test this, and it's called the San Antonio Spurs, right? <laughs> it's the same team. <laughs> Not the same team, but the same tri, you know, trifecta in coaching. and uh, Different styles, so, though. Much different style. You're absolutely right about that. Different style because uh, because Pop has uh, moved with the punches well. But, um, look, this is,
0: this is a good comparison. I like this. We I think can, it's interesting. I think it's closer than people think. Like I was surprised. Yeah. I'm surprised by people who there was one there was the thought that Nash is, is so much better and this mm-hmm. is a ridiculous conversation and we're underplaying like how great he was and like let's like Curry do a little bit more and so I think that's a little faulty. But I also think, like, oh, yeah, Curry is already much better than Nash ever was. I'm not sure I would agree with that either. Yeah.
1: It's at the risk of selling Nash short, but also at the risk of looking at something like Curry and not giving it the, the value it deserves. Yeah,
0: also it's like, well, you have to do more. Sure. But like, that's not really the conversation we're yeah. having. Like, yeah. you know, is, is Curry now better than Nash ever was? Hmm. I think I would lean yes.
1: Let's revisit this uh, after the 82nd game of this season. Okay. Let's see what that looks like because I think I like where we're at now. I'm more in the middle than I was when we started this conversation. You could have put me firmly in the Curry side. Uh,
0: Meanwhile, I think I'm more on the Curry side now.
1: Man, okay, good. Well, that's how we just convinced each other. Um, <laughs> now, now, convince me, Mike. To change topic slightly, convince me the Cavs aren't the favorite in the East now. Last t- time we had record. A, when we haven't talked about them in. We haven't talked about the Cavs since I think both of us said we hated watching them because the style of basketball they played and the lack of teamwork and all that you know the stuff that was evident to the first two months of the season. Um, since we last talked about them, uh, that's all changed. They've won eleven games in a row. Uh, they, in that time frame, have like the best offense, the best defense. LeBron's been the best player in the world again, uh, creeping up on the scoring title right now. He's averaging almost over twenty six a game, just behind Harden. Um, and has looked after a two week hiatus as fresh as possible. But also in that time frame, they got Mazgov, which we haven't really talked about. Uh, they made a trade for J.R. Smith and Neman Shumpert. J.R. who can't go out and sabotage his own life and career anymore. Yeah, sa- Cleveland saved him from himself.
0: Uh, he said it. Yeah, he, he said it. Oh he said, said it. it. it this we're, isn't not, me. we're not putting words yeah. in his mouth. No he is, I, he is taking words out of his mouth and yes. we are grabbing them like from the, I'm the air. And we are putting them in our mouths.
1: So I would tell you that right now they're sitting at the four in the East. Uh, Two weeks ago we talked about them, they were in the six range, but they were a distant six. Right now they're striking distance to the two, creeping up on your Wizards in Toronto. They're
0: going to pass the Wizards.
1: And we're pretty confident in that. I think they're the favorites in the East. I think they're actually the favorites in the NBA again because the way that – hear me out hear me out they still aren't getting that much from Kevin Love we could go an hour of talking about the Cavs and not even mention him I don't know if you win 11 games in a row and your third best player isn't really factoring into the equation I think there's only room to go up
0: yeah I mean but what have the Hawks done to convince you that they are not here to stay I mean it's not like they've won they won 17 in a row and then they lost one to New Orleans And then they got right back to their winning ways against a competitor. Like, what have they done? Like, there's nothing they've done to like lose their perch. Let me let me
1: take a let me take a uh, uh, a little homage to the dating scene of the world. It it's not Atlanta. It's 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 Cleveland. Okay, but it's it's, not it's not them. It's it's me. you know what I'm saying? It's it's not what Atlanta hasn't done. They've done everything in their po- possible power to be in a position where we are talking about them as the frontrunner in the Eastern Conference and potentially the NBA, right? Everything in their power, including mm-hmm. winning, what, 19 games in a row, is it? Did they end up at? Yeah. 19.
0: Before and they won an entire month without losing. Right, before With Anthony Davis. The entire Davis. team <laughs> as the player of the week, which was the corniest Did that happen? S ever. Yeah. that. They named the entire starting five, or not the entire team, the entire starting five as the player of the week. They should
1: just give it to Budenhauser then,
0: right? <laughs> yeah, my good job, coach. Congratulations to uh, Jeff Kyle DeMarial Paul. It's <laughs> <That's> good. <laughs> Put all their names together. No,
1: I think Cleveland's a favorite. Um, you're trying to tell me that it's what Atlanta has done to or what Atlanta has not done yet to dissuade us from thinking they're the favorite.
0: I, I'm like kinda fifty of fifty on Cleveland versus Atlanta just because I think that in a playoff series you can do – Cleveland can – how it has some defensive capability to switch matchups. And, mm-hmm. you know, when they played earlier in the year, like, I, Cleveland blew them out once and Atlanta blew them out once. I mean, it wasn't like – I got nothing from those games.
1: They yeah, weren't close. Yeah, it wasn't
0: like there was, like, one super dominating, like, you know, thing where it's, like, where Atlanta's beaten the Wizards three times where it's, like, yeah – Okay. Atlanta is definitely better than the Wizards. There's not much the Wizards can do to beat them. Right. That hadn't really happened with Cleveland. The issue I have with declaring them the favorite just because of an 11 game winning streak is that what has really happened, I think, is that the schedule has gotten a lot easier. I mean, they played a lot of home games, they haven't played a lot of tough teams. I mean, you look at the schedule. I'll bring it up. Yeah, obviously, they're playing. We're taping on Thursday night during the Clippers game. Mm -hmm. They're playing the Clippers now. Uh, but they they had a tough early schedule. I think they they had um, they had a tough road trip to start the year. They yeah. faced a lot of tougher teams. I mean, at least compared to some of their East so counterparts, you know. Uh, it, Mike, I'm going to go ahead and disagree about the schedule who they, a little who they bit.
1: I think you're forgetting where this win streak started a little bit. Well, right? think of who they beaten? So they they've won um, at the Clippers. They've won versus Chicago. Chicago stinks now. Uh, they beat Oklahoma City. Um
0: Yeah, that was at home though. I mean, they've had a home heavy schedule.
1: They beat Portland. Portland's uh, struggling
0: now. <laughs> I mean, but these are the, half they the a, half, a, half
1: the teams in their eleven game win streak are playoff teams.
0: Yeah, but they caught them at good times in good situations. I mean that
1: may be, but if I dissect the nineteen game win streak by Atlanta or Golden State's whatever epic start to the season.
0: Atlanta, what do you mean? Atlanta won at Portland, at Dallas, at Houston. They won like at every they won at Portland. They beat Portland twice. They beat Memphis. I mean, look at their Those, oh, those
1: are good wins. Don't get me wrong. They beat I,
0: all the good teams. In fact, like it was early in the year when they had an early, they had an easy schedule.
1: I mean, the thing about Cleveland, though, is it, there's a definitive switch, regardless of who they've played or who they've been.
0: I, I totally agree. All I'm saying is that I think that Cleveland was not as bad as it looked early in the year and may not be quite yeah. as dominant. As they look right now, yeah, because yeah. of the way the schedule works out. Sure, like, I, that's I, all I'm saying.
1: I see what you're saying. They lost nine of ten before winning these eleven in a row. Right. So, like that's what I'm talking about. When you say a line in the sand or like a switch has been flipped, I mean th- there's a figure of speech, and there's also when you definitively look down and you go, "Well, they lost nine of ten, eight in a row, and then they've won eleven in a row," and you can see it. that that all coincided with the trades. I
0: mean, they're definitely number two in the East. Yeah. No getting rid of waiters. I
1: mean, pretty good move for them. Yeah, and now yeah. he's
0: hurting Oklahoma City. Right, exactly. And <laughs> yeah. when you diagnose that and all of a sudden
1: Blatt's a good coach and the GM made some good moves and it's the complete opposite of the I script just, we were talking here's about.
0: Here's what I worry about though. I mean, in a playoff series Love's defense is going to become a problem. Um, in a playoff right. series That Love Millsap
1: is a big disadvantage. Yeah, that's a that's a
0: disadvantage. And yeah. they don't have, unless they play, you know, even Mosgau Horford, I mean, that's a disadvantage too because of the way Horford can step mm-hmm. out. You know, Shumpert is playing better. That might help them guard Korver. They can maybe put LeBron I think, on Teague.
1: I was going to say, I think Shumpert guards Teague. Teague. But, but
0: you're going to wear LeBron out. I, I don't yeah. think that they've really in a playoff series, like, have solved mm-hmm. their defensive problems. I mean, they're playing better defense now, no question. Uh, they have better defenders than Shumpert and Moskov. Those are big they're big helps. I like what Tristan Thompson has done all year. I think he's yeah. been really good for them. Yes, I agree. I think Kyrie's defense is better. But I still look at when you get deeper in the playoffs, sometimes, like, what happens a lot is that the stuff you show early in the year ends up coming back in the playoffs because mm-hmm. – During the middle of the year, there's schedule losses and wins. There's kind of injuries. There's just kind of teams go through lulls. I mean, like I'm talking about, Portland's struggling right now. That win without LeBron was very impressive. Portland's not in a great place right now. Chicago, when they played them, really not in a good place at that point. Uh, Some of the other teams. Chicago's just not
1: in a good place in general. Right. I mean,
0: Oklahoma. But Chicago's going to bounce back, I think, later in the year. And Oklahoma City, not in a great place when they played them. It looks like a win in some ways, but just these teams in January kind of goes through just ups and downs. At the beginning of the year you're locked in. Sure. That's like when, you know, those teams are really playing at the level mm-hmm. that they're that they you think they're going to play at. You know, they're right mm-hmm. out of training camp, they're ready to go. Sometimes what you do early in the year kind of manifests itself. Like I remember when Dallas won the title, they finished poorly that yep. year. They had like a little bit they started really strongly. Remember? They had like a they were atop the West sure. and then they they faded, and a lot of people were saying, Well, they faded. Like, yeah. I think we got to count them out. But what happened early in the year was really the most important thing, and they came back and surged.
1: Yeah, and, and the, the series format always helps teams that need a little bit more time in between. The older teams who have, mm-hmm. you know, the Sean Marion, uh, Dirk Nowinski, Tyson Chandler led teams 100% benefit from that seven game series yeah. format. I so that's, think that's why I'm a help, little hesitant. But I think that helps. I think over the course of 82 games, you have a team like Atlanta that's going to win 60 this year. Mm-hmm. But in the course of a seven-game series, I like a fresh LeBron every night. Yeah, I mean, just that's like true. That, I mean, you know, and I'm
0: not saying that Atlanta is a clear favorite. Yeah. I'm just I'm just not sure. I'm quite ready sure. to say Cleveland is. Well, here's some teams we
1: can cut out of the East, right? Uh, Toronto seems like they've fallen back somewhere to where they looked. Uh, before the Rudy Gay trade. I mean, they're not playing. You were on this because you've watched, I think, 21. No, they're not that bad. Okay, so not that bad. bad They haven't fallen all the way backwards. But the momentum that they took from the end of last season into this season, which they started off with, is all but gone.
0: Yeah. I mean, they're just not defending. They can't guard anybody.
1: And the Wizards. We can... (laughs) No, I'm not going to eliminate them. I like the Wizards. But, Mike, you said it to me earlier. They're trending in the wrong direction.
0: Well, I don't know if they're trending in the wrong direction so much as they played... They had a great record against mm. the easiest schedule in the world, and now they've had a tough schedule recently. They played a lot of tough teams, and they're being exposed. They're playing right now. I don't know exactly what the score is. But again, <laughs> we're taping it on a Thursday, Thursday night. night. Yep. Um
1: but I'll say this, Mike. So those are the, the Atlanta's in one, uh, you know, Toronto and Washington, uh, two three. Uh, and uh, they're winning. They are winning. They're winning. And okay, cool. They're winning. The
0: team that's a big mystery here is Chicago. I was, so I wanted to get to Chicago because they're, they're an interesting one. Because they're it's, playing very poorly right now. Is
1: it a rubber band type thing though with Thibodeau, where it, a rubber band super elastic, elastic, and you pull it and you pull it, and then it could get to a point where you've usually pulled it to a point where it's been spread b- or stretched before, and then it breaks. Yeah. and then all of a sudden you have a broken rubber band and it's difficult to replace that type of uh, the flexibility. And I think that's what you kind of have. Thibs wears on his team. Yeah. But he, he's worn. He's asked Jimmy Butler to be the best offensive wing player on his team for a couple of years, and that's something Butler can facilitate for the Bulls. Then he asked Butler to score 25 a game, and he gave him the touches to make that happen. Butler's had the ball in his hands so much more this this year than he's had his mm-hmm. entire career, probably dating back to high school. Yeah, because it's it wasn't that way at Marquette. Because
0: yeah, those guys like Rose and Noah are not the same players they used to be.
1: Rose is um, Rose is. I'm trying to think of a good example or, or analogy. Rose when, is okay. Tony Roten with a right hand. No, no, no,
0: no, no. Do you remember when Penny Hardaway like <laughs> he had like one after his first knee issue? Mm-hmm. Where he was still a pretty good player, but it was clear he was not the player once I was do, and I then do. eventually he had more. I hope this doesn't happen to Rose, obviously. I you know, the tricky I'm part I'm not is, gonna predict injuries. No
1: no right? no, and this that. isn't predicting or predicting injuries or projecting. The thing that I'd say even benefited Penny was that he was tall. Penny was a big guy. He could have morphed into a different type of player in the NBA. Rose has one type of position and player he can be in the NBA, mm-hmm. unfortunately for him, because he's not a good enough shooter.
0: Yeah, he's trying, though, but he isn't. You know, he's he trying isn't, by taking a lot of shots, he but he's no, missing the, the, a lot of them. The one advantage Rose has is that the Bulls, are he can still get to the rim. Mm-hmm. He hasn't finished as well around there as he nope. used to, but those, those possessions are very important for them. I think Chicago's problem, coaching maybe – Mm-hmm. You know, it's possible uh, that he's wearing them. There's been a lot of noise about that mm-hmm. uh, recently. I wouldn't be surprised. You know, I think the other problem is that, you know, this is going to sound like such a minor thing, but Dunleavy is a really important player to them, if not because of what he, how good he is, but more because of what's behind him. I mean, mm-hmm. very, they came into the year very thin on the wing. That was one of my big concerns about them. They get all these bigs. They can't play all of them. When Taj's Taj Gibson's regressed, Noah's hurt. Powell's been very good individually. Taj's been hurt too, though. They, that, one of
1: the yeah. things before I'm going to let you go on real quick, but they haven't had their full team, their full roster, all healthy together this season.
0: Yeah, I mean, maybe for like a little stretch, a game or two, playing really yeah. well. Yeah, uh, yeah. Powell has been good individually, but I think mm-hmm. his defense has hurt them. I think he gets a lot of touches for inefficient shots. Like I don't. With, for Powell to be good, I think you have to take away from other players, and I mm-hmm. think that's what's hurt them. It's not really Powell's fault. It's just that that's the kind of player he is. I mean, Noah now has to guard stretch fours and defend the perimeter mm-hmm. a lot more. That takes him away from what he made him so good last year. You know, he can't play in the high post as much because that's Powell, loves to play there, and Gibson plays less. And then Miritich, who's very good, can't play as, He can't I, play small forward. They're, they're trying. I, I, think, I think it – it's out of necessity that they do it. I think it's not ideal. Mm-hmm. They're just short on wings, and that's yeah, they a, are. that's a big problem. I mean, no. that's why Butler is playing a zillion minutes. They might be a trade, Dibs. But like, let's say Butler doesn't play as much. Like, who are you going to play?
1: Oh, I'm saying they might be a trade away. I don't think they have the bench to uh, to make it up for. Do you a think loss they should like trade Gibson?
0: Because there, there's been talk about that. and I, I don't know if that's a good idea.
1: Yeah, it's it's weird with Gibson. One of the things that makes them a threat is the depth they have at front court because all these guys have been individual... Look, if you're going to bank on Paul Gasol's health, that's a bad move. And if you're going to bank on Joakim Noah's health because the way he plays, the work rate, the physicality, mm-hmm. that's a bad move. And if you're going to bank on Taj Gibson's health, the way his ankles have acted up for the last two years, that's a bad move. So... I but think all, three of them. all three of them together, you can afford for one to get mm-hmm. hurt, um, and that's why I think Gibson and the depth they have is important. But look, addition by subtraction, sometimes I would love to see what Miritich looks like with 30 minutes a game, mm-hmm. um, you know. But maybe there are a couple moves away from that. Maybe maybe Miritich isn't the type of guy that Thibs wants to trust to 30 minutes a game. I don't think he is. I don't think he is either. But mm-hmm. look, that's that's Chicago. I don't think I, I think one they're in the rearview to... mirror of Cleveland.
0: One thing I have to point out is mm. that we had there's a really interesting post that our site did on basically how Powell, signing Powell was a horrible mistake. Interesting. And and so And the argument was that, you know, again, individually Powell has been very good, but mm. the team is not it it forced a lot of problems with the rest of the team. I can see that. They're better off giving those minutes to Gibson and Mirtich or signing a wing. Guy was saying, What if they spent that money on Paul Pierce?
1: Well, sure. What if the Clippers spent that money on Paul Pierce? Well, no, yeah, but, Spencer but, Hall's. But money. they could
0: have. I mean yeah. they they paid Powell Look, I, more than the mid-level exception. Like what if they paid mm-hmm. – he also threw out Vince Carter this was before Vince got hurt. But it, it was an interesting argument where it's like Powell's an all-star starter. He's had a very good year, but he's caused some complications with how they play and you know fitting into the kind of the, – they've talked a lot about how they don't have the same edge that they used to because mm-hmm. they have so much more offensive talent. They're behind the Sixers in defensive rating this year, which I think is amazing. I
1: don't want the Sixers to be the um, – the benchmark of futility. Yeah. Okay, so but that was <laughs> <laughs> a good way to put it. Um, because the Sixers play really hard, and they play as hard as any team in the NBA does. I swear. It was that the game Friday night? All right. Did they, you think they, that they up would, on Minnesota?
0: Did you think that they were going to be better than the Bulls in defenses? No, of course not. If you no. would have asked
1: me before the season, where I think the Bulls are going to end in defensive efficiency? I would have said top five, and yep. not even thought twice. Yeah. But so, I'm, hey, that's enough Eastern Conference, Mike.
0: Come on. Man. All right. Fine. Why are we talking so much about I'm the just, Eastern uh, Conference? I think Chicago is a sleeping giant. I no, think they I, might come. They might put together like a 10-game run in March. They just might. They could also do what you
1: talked about that Dallas did where they kind of reached their best gear. Maybe like we just talked about, a seven-game series might suit them pretty well. Yeah.
0: All Um, that said, very much hoping that the Wizards play them.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Way to segue, man. Way to segue. Good. That brings us to the West, which is far more interesting. We're going to kind of spend about five good minutes here, the end of this podcast, and talk about what it means to be number three in the West – if you're Houston at 34 and 15 and what it means to be number seven in the West. If you're San Antonio at 31 and 18, nothing means nothing, right? That's three games. That's one good week or one bad week away from being the three seed or the seven seed. And then real quick, Mike, the eight seed, nine seed and 10 seed. I guess there's no seed to be had for the nine and 10, but the eighth seed, the ninth place team Mm -hmm. and the 10th place team, they're separated by two and a half games. And there's some interesting subplots of that as well. We'll get into, but real quick, as we touch on the Houston and San Antonio uh, and all the teams in the middle, there's one team in between them who is trending very much in the upward direction. That's the Clippers, the team that could have had Paul Pierce, but that actually is getting pretty good production out of Spencer Hawes now. Like He's played like a, a lot better. He's played a lot better for like a week. Um, and uh, and has you know their own issues on the wing and so forth, but. Um, right now currently Doc Rivers the coach is doing a really good job despite the bad job the coach or that sorry the general manager Doc <laughs> Rivers did in setting up his team yep. Um so you have um you have a very very um offensively efficient team right now that's getting better defense <clears throat> yeah. defensive play they did um, suffer
0: a bad loss to Brooklyn earlier this week yeah, yeah they lost, that'll
1: kill them they lost to Brooklyn by two in a game they were up by 13 with three minutes left yeah that was a bad loss that's a bad loss you
0: know this is actually it's funny how we talk about how disappointing the Clippers were early in the year. Mm-hmm. You know, they're about the same record-wise where they were at this time last year, and they've kind of followed the same tra- trajectory. They they were always they were experimenting with different things to start the year offensively, and their defense was below average to start the year. I mean they had problems defensively if you remember correctly. But over the course of the year, they tightened up what they were doing. They got they kind of relied on just stepping up and by the end of the year they were a top defense and they were coming into the playoffs as a very dangerous team if the sterling stuff if you know some of the calls in the Oklahoma City series you know if a lot of that didn't, doesn't happen you know maybe they do they advance to the conference finals i mean mm-hmm. it's not like Oklahoma City was was a juggernaut in the oh, playoffs no. last year that, I mean, was, that was a was great a, series too that could have gone either way mm-hmm. so the argument is maybe that's going to happen again and you know it, it could yeah, you know, they have the same mix together. Mm-hmm. I think Blake is learning how to play a little better on the perimeter. I really like what DeAndre Jordan's done the last like three or four weeks. I think it's he's, about he's the, Doc's the, baby. The best I mean, that he's played the in his career, I think, is the yeah. last three or four weeks. It's just so, very good. He's become better with his angles defensively. I, I think he's been great.
1: And you hit, you hit it. The thing with Jordan is that he's been given the longest leash in the world because Doc sees the player that he can be, that he mm-hmm. wants him to become, um, which is a super admirable and incredibly important part of a good coach. Is like when you get a Danny Green, Pop saw the player he should be in the NBA, and that's what he's become. It's their mm-hmm. job to mold them into what they want. Yeah. Um, Doc's done a really good job of getting that defensive. Domination, man. I mean, DeAndre Jordan is a ridiculous defensive player, especially in spurts at a time, where small spurts at a time, where like Mm -hmm. it'll be a block, a rebound, a block, a rebound, a deflection, and it's like, wow, that was twenty eight seconds of basketball.
0: Yeah, and it's more consistent now. And the thing is, his job is harder, I think, than a lot of other bigs because of the way they play. They they have their big guys, you know, contain the ball higher up on the perimeter, so he's got to go out. 30, 25 feet from the hoop and stop and pick and roll, whereas some of these other great bigs can kind of just hang in the lane. Mm-hmm. You know, he that, does more what Anthony Davis does. Yeah, and he does it better, frankly, right yeah. now than Anthony Davis does. And we
1: think of Davis as being like the most agile, incredible, you know, longest, et cetera, defensive player. He's not. He's not. Yeah, I mean, uh, Jordan is is quite that.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's an inexperienced thing with sure. Davis. But, um, yeah, so he's played a lot better. He's really great on the glass. I think he's starting to put it together. The problem is that they still don't they're doing it really still without guys doing much off the bench. They yeah, I mean, have no bench. That Pierce thing we talked about. When when they,
1: when Pierce signed with Washington, I remember coming up to you in the office and being like, "Hey man, great signing." And you were like, "Oh, I don't know. Paul Pierce is old." I was excited when it no. happened. And yeah, you were. I mean, I'm I'm downplaying the fact. Yeah, I was you excited. knew it was I mean, you knew it was a good signing, but you know, he, it's funny there's an argument now that
0: that they they, they it may not have just because they miss their defense has been poor recently but yeah yeah he was he would have been great for them the Clippers no question I mean they they definitely messed up there because I think he wanted to go there sure
1: and just to keep going with the west so that that's the Clippers they're the five seed right now right they're tied with Portland they're both 33 and 16 Portland's trending in the wrong direction currently Mm -hmm. uh however they did just get um Robin Lopez back He's a very important part of their team. They've had a lot of injuries to their front court, so it's really good to get him back, mm-hmm. albeit with a still, I think, a bandaged up hand. It's not completely healed. Right. Um, and then Dallas is now the sixth seed. They're thirty three and eighteen, so they are uh, eight games out of the number one seed and two games behind Houston the three seed. Um, Dallas is dealing with some injuries of their own. They got kind of used to having Rondo. That groove they got in was was good. They looked like a pretty good team. Rondo had a facial fracture, still debating about when to get his surgery, probably back yeah. after the All-Star break. You can see how that lack of cohesion they have now with him out of the equation, because they don't have any other point guards on their roster. It becomes Our Monte... good ones. They have, sure. they have a lot
0: of them. They're just not good. You know what I'm
1: saying, yeah. It yeah. becomes Monte, the de facto ball handler at the end of the game, and Monte Ellis is really good at getting one-guy shots. Monte Ellis, yeah,
0: they're an. Int- I like their starting five as like conceptually. Tyson Chandler's been very good this year. I think he's, yes, he's been fantastic. The problem is that Dirk is down. Dirk can't rebound, and that's going to be an issue if they play if at the wrong matchup. Like he's
1: looking gassed right now, though. Yeah, Each game a little older.
0: Yeah, he doesn't look it. like the same and. They're even now. Their backcourt is, I mean, still a little small. They have no depth, so they're mm-hmm. almost they're very Clippers like, and yeah, they're similar.
1: All these teams have yeah. a really good core players and a little bit lacking in the depth department. Although
0: Houston is the opposite, I think. Houston obviously doesn't have Howard now. Mm-hmm. He's hurt. That's a, a his injury has been a problem. They play pretty well without him. They have good depth. They have Terrence Jones back. They have good depth in their front court. I think they have better depth on the wing now Makes with Brewer. The, the Josh Smith signing becomes a lot more important too with Howard mm-hmm.
1: Smith Smith has rounded well into that rotation, yeah. man. Like, I
0: just still think they don't. If I if I'm game playing them against them in a series, I just still think there's not enough to worry about offensively. Yeah, I mean, look, That's James Harden,
1: James Harden can steal a series. He's not going to steal multiple series. And in the West, even stealing a single series. Look, if it's Houston Dallas in the first round. Houston having home court advantage, I probably
0: like Dallas in a seven-game series. I think I might too, but yeah. I'm not sure. And, but look, the but, problem is again like Harden has not been good in the playoffs in his career. He's sure, shot poorly, sure. and they have nobody else. I mean, he's only even played, with Howard. He's have, only played one series in the NBA
1: playoffs as a starter. Two. Two, okay, two the last two years. Sorry, I apologize. Yeah, yeah.
0: In neither yeah. series was he any yeah. was he shooting well, and they this is where they're going to miss Parsons because Parsons, you know, was a really good driver, mm-hmm. could attack gaps, you know, Ari's a great defender. They have a great defense, sure, great defense, much better. But I think they're going to have trouble scoring in the playoffs. Agree. I still like. I still like. Um, I I think Portland's going to get it back together, and I still like San Antonio to try to win a series.
1: Yeah, I think San Antonio is going to creep into that four five game actually, um, at at a minimum. Um, Because really, San Antonio is still only three Mm -hmm. games behind Houston for the three seed. But that's good because they're the seven seed. The Spurs are at seven. We're very confident of them being in the top eight. Yeah. At the very least in the top eight. However, the eight seed right now, the precarious spot in the Western Conference, is that that almighty last playoff berth, which is going to get you that golden ticket to Golden State. I should have just made a pun there, but that's what you do. The Golden State ticket. The Golden State ticket. That's... Rubenstein's going to give me You're gonna go crap You're going to go across uh, the
0: Golden Gate Bridge to get yeah. to the Warriors.
1: Nikki, delete that. I'm just kidding. Okay. All right. So, uh, <laughs> w- no, 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 no. I'm totally we're, kidding. We're, we, we
0: can actually do that now. Yeah, it's so cool. If we want to
1: delete Mike's stupid puns, we can. We no, can I'm, just do that I'm, ju- I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. Let's roll with that. <laughs> Keep that. Um, so what you have is you have this logjam where Denver, Sacramento, Utah, Lakers, Minnesota, we can put them on an island uh, and send them to you know the South Pacific. <laughs>
0: Wow, but on this on this other mean. on this other smaller Do you I, want to send Ricky Rubio to the South Pacific? He's gonna Rick, be so sad. Yeah, I
1: know. He probably already we probably like it there Can't more than Minnesota. That's
0: true. Can't you give him like a tropical South Pacific? <laughs> you know, island? I was it's funny because
1: I was really sad that Rubio didn't play in the game Friday night. He was supposed to come back mm-hmm. during the Sixers Wolves game that I yeah. was at, um, but he didn't play. He and had I,
0: a great pass the other night. He Mo
1: Williams didn't even play either though. I had to watch Zach Levine try to play point guard. Oh,
0: was that the Lorenzo Brown game? Yeah, too? Lorenzo
1: Brown played like forty <laughs> minutes, and Lorenzo Brown's only in the NBA because Lowe is uh, Sid Lowe is an assistant coach on Minnesota's bench. <laughs> you want to talk about nepotism? Or or if my dad was in the league, I get to be in the league. The, if you look at Minnesota's bench, it's Flip Saunders' son and Rick Adelman's son sitting next to a couple former Minnesota Timberwolves players, yeah. uh marqueed by Sid Lowe, who right. then has who then had his point guard uh, from Lorenzo Brown from NC State. I'm uh, playing for an NBA, an NBA team, and he was eaten alive for a triple double by MCW. But all right, um, well, whatever. They're, regardless, they'll get a, they'll get a yeah, nice island. They're, they're on the island out there. Now, on the much nicer island, much closer to the closer to the mainland, you have Oklahoma City sitting at 25 and 24. They are two and a half games out of the eight seed, currently occupied by Phoenix at 28 and 22, with New Orleans in the middle, a game and a half behind Phoenix at 26 and 23.
0: Big missed opportunity for the Pelicans against the Thunder on Wednesday. Huge. They really needed that game.
1: And I want to talk about the Pelicans for one sec because we've gotten to see It's A lot from a little, really. When Drew Holiday went down, that could have basically been the death knell for that team. They've lacked... Last year, one of the reasons they were a poor team is because Drew was out Mm -hmm. um, with an injury. And when he went down this year, again, with what's going to end up being potentially a career altering thing his ankles are weak he gets stress fractures in the bottoms of his uh from his ankles to his shin let's and, hope he does some sort man, of therapy that kind of yeah, fixes that. Problem. seriously it happens,
0: but, it happens a lot
1: it does it does um so i hope he's okay i'm a big drew holiday fan As but mind.
0: yeah and so on my film all-star team right and check that out mike plug yourself real quick go uh 13 players who do under the radar stuff
1: cool good that's good look for it wow, very seamless I like that. um and so but one of the things they've gotten though is eric gordon and Terry Kevins have like really rounded into Playing great basketball. Yeah,
0: Point Evans has
1: been pretty good. He has been good, and two guard, somewhat facilitating Eric Gordon's been been good. Mm-hmm. Um, it's almost like these guys were supposed to be NBA All Star level players. <laughs> oh, wait, they are being paid They're like, being paid that. like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, so that's been what's keeping New Orleans afloat, and we we don't have to talk about Oklahoma City. i one thing. We're both New has done,
0: one of the things that New Orleans has done too is they've gotten some actual good wings mm-hmm. or useful wings in Pondexter and Dante Cunningham. Mm-hmm. You know, kind of can't can't shoot threes, but very good defensively. They play. Great D on the Hawks on Monday night. Very I told you impressive.
1: when it happened that Pondexter was a great addition. I agreed.
0: Yeah. <sighs> I've always been a Pondexter yeah. guy. I know.
1: Yeah. And he was. He was such a just a throw in part of that deal that made. I don't know what happened to him in Memphis. Something, I think, a dispute with he, the coach. They don't be, need him. Well, because Hollins liked him a lot. And mm-hmm. I think you're right with the new coaching staff. That was a thought. But, Mike, floor is yours. Why is Phoenix an unlucky 28 and 22? Well,
0: they've lost like seven or eight, like, real heartbreakers. They lost. Earlier this week to Memphis when they had a seven-point lead with a minute left and they lost after a missed three and a game-winning shot by uh, Jeff Green and a foul that was kind of a ticky-tacky foul uh, there. So they lost that. They've also they just lost so many tough games. I mean, buzzer, they lost beaters. buzzer beater to Harden, that buzzer beater to Blake Griffin, that Middleton. ridiculous three, the Chris Middleton shot. It's
1: like Legitimately, if you YouTube buzzer beaters this season in the NBA – 80% of them have happened against yeah. Phoenix.
0: And then they also had the – they lost double overtime to Oklahoma City on New Year's Eve. That was a really tight game. They lost double overtime to Memphis. Uh, they lost uh, to Sacramento early in the year when Cousins fouled out. Uh, mm-hmm. They had one other kind of heartbreaking loss. But right there, you just you just
1: flipped them from
0: 28 and 22 to – 35
1: and 15. I mean, and right amazing. There. But even
0: if they get half of those games. Yep. If they get three more of those games, suddenly they're now thirty-one mm. and nineteen. They're ahead of San Antonio if
1: they get three of those right. games. Right. So yeah.
0: they, they're gonna be kicking themselves for that. And mm-hmm. also for home losses to Charlotte and Detroit. And they had a couple of bad ones earlier in the year. I mean it's too bad. I really like them, but I, I just I have a hard time believing that, you know, they're gonna even now that they're gonna hold off the Thunder, who, you know, again big win against the Pelicans we can't count New Orleans out they but they kind of this was their easy part of their schedule and it's gonna get tougher you know so I'm just I'm just not sure I, I love Phoenix the way they play mm-hmm. I'm just I feel like this is going to be the same kind of scenario as this It year. happened last year? Yeah. It's yeah. just kinda of, kind of get to it's, the end. It and feels
1: it, like it's playing out that way where there's is, enough talent, skill, and good teams behind them and too much in front yeah, of
0: them. Yeah, which is fine. I mean, they, they're going the Houston yeah. Rockets
1: model rebuilding, mm-hmm. you know, never bottoming out and being exciting. Hey, it works in a multitude of ways. Um, you can bottom out like the Knicks and the Kings and the Sixers and the Wolves and really, really bottom out for a long time. Or mm-hmm. you can do the progressive bottom out where you don't actually ever bottom out. You continue to build. Uh, it's really not even a, uh, it has no tanking formation. It's really just a more organic rebuild where you kind of use the talent that comes to your team uh, via the drafts, and that's what Phoenix has done, signed good players and drafted good players.
0: Markeith Morris, man, that guy is good. And what
1: else, wh- where can I read about Markeith Morris? He's also on the Filmer Star team. Perfect. Thanks, Mike. Cool. Well, this was the uh, Limited Upside podcast number eight, our eighth Installment of what hopefully we'll be taking at some point, maybe on to Espionation. I don't know. Find us on iTunes now. I don't
0: know. There's some. I don't know who's in charge of putting on SB Nation. Whoever the like, NBA
1: editor editor is for SB Nation, I'm going to have to have a long talk with him, even longer than this too. current podcast. Me yeah. too. Let's get that guy on the horn. Um, but hey, look, next time, at some point, I hint to this all the time. I'm going to have a podcast where we lead off with the art of dysfunction, <laughs> and we talk about the Kings. Shout out to my man, Kenny Carraway, my only Kings fan friend.
0: And, and the New Ziller. York Knicks. And oh, Tom yeah, Tom Ziller. Ziller. I forgot yeah I am.
1: Yeah. And, uh, and Tom Ziller, our beloved SB Nation writer. writer. Um, and the New York Knicks. They're both dysfunctional. They do it in totally different ways, but also in the exact same way. We're
0: not going to ever get to this. Did
1: section. you see Dolan fell asleep uh, sideline at the Knicks no, game the other night? No, really? Man, how did you not see that? SB Nation put that up. He did fell, we really? straight up fell asleep. Wait, you know, which game? Mm, two nights ago. two Or two games ago.
0: Oh, they played Boston, right? Uh, yes,
1: and Mellow Yeah, Mellow played the Boston game. That's the one. They played Boston, you know? right? Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I didn't see that. Yeah. Anyhow, we'll talk about them next Crazy. time. The Knicks are three and twenty one on the road and they score like ninety-three points a game. But um anyhow, guys, Nikki, thanks so much for setting this up. We're gonna keep doing this. You're our main man, the production master. Mike, I'm Ben. Till next time. Cheers.